0: Matthew 5, 3 through 12. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Kind of set this up for you of... The urgency that Jesus is communicating with, with the repetition of blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. Um, Andy, where, where's Andy at? Where, where is Andy? He's he's here, there, somewhere. He's around. Oh, he's he's in the back working already. He's doing a great job. Andy is our next steps pastor, and he wasn't on staff maybe two weeks. And he and I were sitting in a meeting, and I got a phone call from Anna. And so I didn't want to break the meeting where we were at, so I, I left my phone there. And then my phone rang again right after that, and I thought, okay. And so I told Andy, I said, hey, give me one second. Let me let me break this, this meeting right here. And I picked up my phone, and I stepped to the side, and I said, hey, babe, what's going on? And she, I, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but then I, I said something like, hey, we hey, hey, were talking. I said, okay, well, hey, I'm in a meeting. Remember our rule. I just wanted to, to step out and, and acknowledge you, but let me get back to this meeting, and then I'll call you back. So that was it. Now, you, you heard me say something there. and I hope you co- remember our rule. So Andy, a couple uh, hours later towards the end of the day, he said, do you mind if I ask you a question? I said, yeah, shoot. And he said, what is your rule? What is this rule that you speak of? How many of you? You want to know the rule? You want to know the rule? Come on. It's a good rule. Half of you want to know? It's a really good rule. Okay, so here's our rule. Our rule is this. Um, well, let me, let me set it up for you. So uh, Anna is a seven on the Enneagram, which means she just calls and texts and doesn't know how many times. She's just trying to get a hold of me for something, whatever it may be, right? And so there was a time where she had called me. I didn't answer. I was in a meeting. Called me again. Called me a third time. And I was like, hey, listen, I got, I got to stop real quick. Uh, my wife has called me three times. She just texted me. Let me call her back. And I rush and I call her. I step out in the hallway and I kind of broke the meeting. And he was like, oh yeah, no, go ahead. That sounds like it's really, really important. And I get to the hallway and I said, hey babe, are you okay? She's yeah, why? And I said, well, you, you called me three times and you text me. What's up? And she said, oh, I tagged you in a really funny Instagram video. Did you watch it? <laughs> and I was like, uh, no, honey, I, I didn't watch it. I'm, I'm in a meeting right now, and she said, oh, well, watch it real quick and tell me what you think. It's hilarious. <laughs> I was like, honey, there is somebody in a room I was meeting with that thinks you're in labor or something, right? Like, I, <laughs> I can't just watch the video so uh we ended that and you know and then it's so awkward because you walk back in and, and they're like hey is, is everything okay and I'm like yeah you know everything's okay thanks for praying Well, I had to you know break the meeting and everything and then I mean she'd call five minutes later my phone would ring oh, okay it's okay now phone would ring again phone would ring and I pick it up she'd, okay babe this is an emergency uh I've got to place an HEB curbside order right now or it's not going to be ready by four o'clock and I'm going to be late to pick up the kids so do you need anything right now from HEB? here's a rule. Here's our rule. So we established this rule. And I said, honey, here, here's what we got. Okay. I prom- if you call me one time and don't call me back right after that, I will know that it's not an emergency. And the moment that the, the meeting I'm in is over, or I have a, a break or an opportunity, I promise you, I will call you right back. Here's my commitment to you. If it is an emergency and you absolutely have to get a hold of me, I promise you this. You call me twice in a row. And if my phone rings twice in a row, and now listen, this is for like something major happened to the kids, got in a car accident, your tire's flat on the side of the road or or something like that. Listen, if you call me twice in a row, bang, bang, right after one I don't care if I am meeting with the president or anything. I will break that meeting. I will put it on hold. I will step out of the room, and I will call you right back. But we've got to know, like, what's happening here, right? So don't don't do the double call over something that is not a major emergency. But when it is, you hit me up twice, and I promise you nothing will be more important than you in that moment, okay? Here's what I want to communicate to you. I think the Lord wants to call you twice in a row right now. Matter of fact, to make it context for you, he just called you nine times in a row. Nine times he says, what now? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And he doubles down. Blessed are the persecuted and blessed when you are insulted. He's trying to get your intention with the language that he's using and the repetition that he is speaking to you. I don't know how else, outside of a silly illustration, to communicate to you. What you hear in the beatitudes are the foundation for living the kingdom life. They are the repetitious phone call over and over. we have to define the word blessed to really understand the word blessed is makarios. It is a word that means peace, it means internal contentment, it means joy. It's translated happy but the, the world has taken the word happy and turned it into something that it no longer is. Let me give you an example. First Timothy 1 verse 11 this same word is attributed to God when speaking of him. it says that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. What are you saying is the same way God is blessed eternally by the same way God is blessed and always satisfied. He's not bound by circumstance and he's not bound by situation and not, not one thing can happen to ruin his day or not one thing can happen to upset him, but God is a blessed God in the sense that his happiness, his peace, his joy, his contentment are eternally wrapped up in who he is. That is the same blessed that we are when we are living out the Beatitudes. Another thing, the word blessed is emphatically present tense in the Greek. It is in your face right now. So it's not a word that means blessed are you, later on will be. These aren't blessings that you will one day experience when you die and go to heaven. These are right now, in your face, this moment of time, blessings that you inherit and it is blessed like our God it is it is so urgent it's so important you know oftentimes we have this worldly metric of discipleship what is a great Christian it's someone who reads their Bible it's someone who prays it's someone who goes to church it's all of these and those are all great things but I want to tell you how many of those did you hear in Jesus is nine When Jesus says, I want people to live a kingdom life, and here are the practical outplayings of what it looks like to be a kingdom Christian. I'll give you nine of them. Here they are. The best way to study these is to break them into three groups. And I know you are all just wonderful note takers itching to scratch down the oracles of God that come from my mouth, right? So let me give you all three groups really quick. And make sure you write these down. Statistics show you have a way less chance of going to hell if you take notes during a message, okay? So we're covering a lot of content today. It is going to be bang, 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 bang. bang. Make sure you have your notes. Sermon notes on our app are a great way to stay up with stuff like this. But here they are. There are three that revolve around humility. There are three that revolve around justice. And there are three that revolve around peace. When we talk about what does it look like to be a great Christian, not, not even the word great, what does it look like to be a kingdom Christian? What does it look like to live and operate in the presence of God, powered by the Holy Spirit? What does it look like Monday? What does it look like Tuesday? What does it look like Wednesday? What does it look like Thursday? And not just that, what does it look like to live these out and be this person? But then what does it look like to be eternally blessed? To be content on the inside blessed? To be blessed beyond what I'm living in? Blessed beyond the circumstances that I find myself in? What does that blessing look like? We can wrap it up in three sections. Humility, justice, and peace. Here we go. Three on humility. Matthew 5, 3-5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I'm going to touch on each one of them and then give you one big wrap-up at the very end. Poor in spirit. He's talking about somebody who recognizes their bankruptcy without God. He's saying it is somebody who looks at their life and says, I would be an absolute mess without God. I would be bankrupt to the core. I would have nothing. I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I am completely bankrupt. Let me just tell you something. If you've come in here today and you feel broken and you feel bankrupt and you feel empty and you feel this deep sense of longing, like, I don't know what I have that's worth giving a contribution to the world in. I feel totally, 100% poor and bankrupt. I listen to worship, and I can't even sing along to the words, because I just cry the whole time, because it's a revelation of my emptiness and brokenness. Can I tell you something? You are in a great place to inherit the kingdom of God. I have a friend who was a football coach and he left a 9 0 program that he led to the state championship and he lost in the state championship. He left that program for a 1 8 program. And I said to him, What on earth are you doing? What are you thinking? He said, It's the greatest career move I've ever made. And I said, Do share. You know, I, I do want to know how that is the case. And he said, Man, he said, you go 9-0, and you build a really good program, and you make it to the state championship, and they start talking about whether or not they even need you anymore. They start, damn, we're so good, we're so content, we got such a great program, do we want to make a change now? Hey, we lost in the state championship, who's going to be the guy to get us over the edge? He said, I showed up at this 1-8 and program, and they were falling down begging me to be their coach. They were roll. They would do any whatever you need. You need new facilities? We'll do a bond program. You need this? We'll do this. You need help with this? We'll do this. You don't want to teach anything and just coach football? We'll figure out how to make that work, right? He's like they. They were rolling out the red carpet for me because they realized their desperate need. For a coach, same is true with us. When we get so comfortable in our life and so comfortable with everything that we have, that is the moment that should be a wake-up call for us because the poor in spirit are the ones that are about to inherit the kingdom. does not matter how rich you become in this life does not matter how successful you become in this life. You long to be poor in spirit and still recognize it's all from him. It can all go back to him. And he can take it all away or he can leave it as he pleases. But without him, I am nothing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven, really quick, just to clarify something. You may have heard this, may not. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, message of the kingdom, they are all the same thing. They are used interchangeably throughout the Gospels. So where Luke may say kingdom of God and Matthew may say kingdom of heaven and John may say the message of the kingdom, it's all speaking to the same thing. So don't don't let that confuse you. When we talk about the kingdom, he says you inherit the kingdom. Okay, I cannot spend that much time. That was one. Here's number two. (laughs) Blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. The word for mourn is the same word for sorrow in 2 Corinthians 7.10. It says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience. Say, God wants me to experience sorrow. Well, here you go. Kind of sorrow God wants us to experience. Leads us away from sin and results in salvation. If you are broken hearted over your sin, you're in a good place to be comforted. You are brokenhearted over what's going on, brokenhearted over the sins of your eyes. That, that's when you are in good sorrow. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. I will tell you, the first thing I look for when I'm talking to somebody who's battling sin or battling addiction is how do you feel about it? And if they say, I feel horrible, I feel disgusting, I feel so burdened but that I keep doing this over and over and over, we got something to work with. We know what we can build now. We can go somewhere. Then the third is blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Meekness, the very definition Greek translated to English is strength under control. So meekness is not weak, it's not this doormat, it's not Mr. Milk Toast, it is a strength that is under control. It is someone who has great strength, but they also know how to control themselves. I think of my daughter, she rides these massive horses and rides them like crazy, and these animals are so big, they're so powerful, and they're so strong, yet they're so under control that I trust putting my seven-year-old daughter on top of them. And what, and what do they say? They will inherit the earth. This is really cool. Let me define that for you. Psalm 37, 9 and 11. It says, For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. The lowly will possess the land and will live in peace and prosperity. Isaiah 66, 22. So that is speaking specifically geographically to the children of Israel. So he's saying, children of Israel, if you'll be meek, you'll inherit the land. If you'll be lowly, you will not only inherit the land, but you will prosper. And then Isaiah 66, 22 says, As surely as the new heavens and earth, same word across the board. The word earth here, the word earth before, and inherit the earth and land are the same word. Inherit this, for, so he says, surely as my new heavens and earth will remain, so will you always be my people with a name that will never disappear, says the Lord. So when we talk about the meek inheriting the land, we're not talking solely geographical, and we're not talking solely metaphorical. We're talking both. We're saying, listen, if you can live in meekness, you will move a position in your life. And not only that, but you will be blessed spiritually because of it. So if you can figure out how to have this great strength but keep it under control, you will inherit the land both positionally with where God wants to take you and spiritually with how God wants to bless you. So we have all three of these and they wrap around into one theme and one crystal clear theme. It's humility. If we can figure out how to be humble, we can live the kingdom life. I heard this really cool story about humility. Don't you wish this was you? It was a guy who was was a salesman at a company and he was negotiating a contract that he kind of fell into between two different countries and companies in two different countries. Both were multi, 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 multi billion dollar companies. And he went and met with the owner in this foreign country and he sat down with him and he was negotiating the deal and they had gotten the deal done and the owner of the company said, there is just something about your humility. He said, your humility is incredible through all of this. And he said, it is customary in my country to buy you a gift, to buy a person a gift who does a great deed for you. And he said, so you've done a great deed for me, and you have helped me with this deal. Uh, I want to buy you a gift. And and the the salesman said, look, the, the commission on this alone is 10x anything I could ever imagine. I am totally okay with that. And he said, I knew you would say that. He said, name a gift, I want to buy you a gift. And the guy said, well, okay, I don't know, I like to play golf, buy me a golf club. The guy said, okay, done, it's done. So the guy flies back to the United States, and when he's back in the United States, a couple weeks later, an attorney shows up at his door, he knocks on the door, and he opens up the door, and the attorney said, hey, sir, I've got paperwork for you from Mr. So-and-so. And the guy said, okay, um, why do I need to fill out this paperwork? And he said, well, just fill it out and I'll let you know. So the guy fills out the paperwork and he hands him the deed to his own golf course. And he says, now you own this golf club. You own such and such Pines Golf Club. He was was sitting there staring at it. He was like, I was thinking 9-iron, but... um, He said it was a several million dollar golf club that he now owned, and what happened was he came into partnership with someone who had a far greater vision for his life than he had for his own. He came into partnership with someone who could do far more for him than he could ever do on his own, and that partnership was built On humility. I am telling you, I think God could do more with your life through humility than he ever could thinking highly of yourself. The opposite of humility, we all know, is pride. But pride gets confused into one thing, and that's thinking highly of yourself. There's two types of pride. Pride is thinking too highly of yourself, or pride is thinking too lowly of yourself. Both have to do with one thing, self. Humility is thinking rightly about yourself. Humility is thinking rightly about who you are, who you are without God, who you are because of God, and what you can do for God. And those three things are the first foundation to living a kingdom life. All right, hey, we're we're doing good. Next three are on justice. Matthew 5, 6 through 8. It said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let's start with hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's pretty clear. You hunger for the things of God, you're going to get filled up. If you hunger for the things of God, you hunger to know more about him. You hunger to see his grace and his mercy and his purpose play out in all people, in all lives. When you hunger for those things, you're filled with those things. And then he says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. It echoes James 2, 12 through 13 really well. James says, so whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law That sets you free. In other words, you will be judged by the level of freedom that you extend to somebody else. Think about that for a second. You will be judged by the law that sets you free. Mercy is reciprocity. What did he say? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. In other words, the amount of mercy that you're willing to show somebody is the amount of mercy you will receive. Grace is receiving something we didn't deserve. Mercy is withholding something that we did deserve, okay? So when we talk about mercy, and we talk about showing mercy, and we talk about being merciful, we're talking about withholding something that somebody may deserve. You may have somebody in your life that deserves everything that they did to you. They deserve the challenges they face. They deserve the difficulties that you've experienced. They deserve the worst. Are you willing to withhold it from them? Are you not only willing to withhold it, but then are you willing to give grace and give them something that they don't deserve? Can you pull back with mercy? Because We have this phrase in my home. My son, he wants help with everything. He's five, and he, he knows how to do it, but it's kind of this game he plays. How much can I control my dad, right? Because I've got all of these things that I'm helping with, and, and then all of a sudden he'll say, Dad, help me get this. Dad, help me with that. Dad, help me. 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 i say, hey, give me 30 seconds. i got something broke. I'm fixing this, and I'm moving on. No, 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 Dad. Dad, I need your help right now. And so I've got this phrase that I use with him. I stole it from Ed Milad. I say, if you want help, get helpful. If you want help, get helpful. You want help? Start helping me, Bubba. You want help with this? Come help, and then I will help you. You want help? Get helpful. You want mercy? Get merciful. You're sitting there thinking to yourself, man, I got a spouse that just nails me up against the wall about everything. They're always on me, always on my case, always pushing my butt. Never do I get an ounce of mercy. How much mercy are you giving? Are you giving mercy? Are you still returning mercy? Because the merciful will be shown mercy. You want help, get helpful. You want mercy, get merciful. Stop, withhold, or stop holding, stop giving people what they deserve. Withhold what they deserve and show mercy. And then we roll into the third one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Seeing God, it means to be intimately acquainted with. Recognize that again. I'll read it again. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Their purity gives them clarity. You See that? Blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see God. Their purity is giving them clarity to see what God wants to do. This is why sexual purity is so important. This is why it's so important. That's why it's by any means necessary, protecting your eyes, protecting the things that you see. And I'm not just talking about explicit pornography. I certainly am talking about that. But I'm talking about even TV shows in prime time that you're watching. I don't want to sound like that old preacher that's just harping on the media and everything else. But I'm telling you, there was one on my TV the other day. And I was like, dear Lord, my children are in the room and they're talking about sex things that unedited in the middle of the day like we've got to protect our purity or we won't see clearly be so distracted by lust by sin by all of these things he said but those who are pure in heart they will see God so this third section it is the things of God which is righteousness the people of God which is showing mercy and the follower of God which is me purity and what happens with those things we are filled we are shown mercy and we see God it is the justice of God wanting to see God's work manifest in front of us we fight for it we want it it is the the lens to which we see getting God's word and God's life and God's power and God's spirit into the world my my kids someone told me this the other day they've got really creative names right Zion, Canaan, and Zadok. And they got they have biblical significance. I mean, Zion was is the last promised land. Canaan's the first promised land of the children of Israel, and Zadok was the priest to David. It was really, you know, cool. But I'll be honest with you. The real reason why is I've never heard anybody else with those names. And that's important to me. And and you know this because when you go to name your children and your spouse suggests a name of somebody that you knew in your childhood that was a total turd with that name, you're like, "Ugh." Like, I mean, and I, I can't say the name now because someone will be watching online and they'll know, oh, he didn't like that person. Let's throw John out there, right? John, I have a John Corbett in my life. John, I love you. Uh, not, not about you, not about John Payne. I love John Payne. But let's throw John out there, right? And let's say Anna says, hey, what if we name our next child John? And I'm like, I knew a John. And he was, I, I can't name my child John because I would see my child through that lens, Right? Of what I've already experienced here. We were talking about girl names the other day. No one was asking about a fourth already. But we, uh, we, if we would have had a girl, we were talking about girl names. And I loved the name. I said, what about the name Psalm? And uh, you, you don't know? the Anna says to me, isn't that what Kanye named his daughter? I was like, no, done, it's over. Are you serious? Are you serious right now? Because I love that name. But I can't think of Kanye and a Kardashian every time I look at my daughter. Like, no, It's ruined, right? You see what I'm saying? But, but when he says we live in purity, and we long for the things of God, and we desire to see the things of God, and we give mercy, what happens all of the sudden, we start seeing people, we start seeing ourselves, and we start seeing the things of God through the lens of clarity that we're supposed to see. So we have humility we have justice, and now we move to peace. Matthew 5. Oh, man, I'm doing good on time. you go going to beat the Baptists to lunch today. <laughs> Matthew 5, 9 through 12. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those, and he doubles down on persecution. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11 Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed. Are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Let me, let me clarify something for you within context. So peacemakers were people. They weren't someone who agreed with everything, and they weren't someone who was just tolerant of everything like we would think of today when we say the word peace. Peacemakers were actual people, and when two warring cities would come at each other and they would prepare to go to battle, and they were getting ready to have mass, mass killing, mass murder, mass takeover, and it was going to be destructive for both sides, they would send out peacemakers. And these peacemakers would step right into the center of that. And they would go to this general on this side, and they would go to this general on this side, and they would go to this king on this side, and they would go to this king on this side. And their literal purpose was to bring peace into a situation where things were being divided. When I say blessed are the peacemakers because they will be children of God. Let's be Jews for a moment. Okay, we, we play this game every week now as we're walking through Matthew. If you're a Jew, here's what you're thinking. If I'm gonna be a peacemaker, I'm gonna step right into the center of division, I'm gonna step right into the center of brokenness, I'm gonna step right into the center of two places that are against each other, and I'm gonna try my very best to bring peace into the center of that. It's not I agree with this group and don't agree with this group. It's not I agree with this group and don't agree with this group. It is I am the beacon of peace to bring it to both of you. That's what blessed are the peacemakers means. So um, a year ago around this time, I, uh, George Floyd had just been killed and there were racial tensions and, and challenges rising up like never before I'd experienced in my lifetime. And one of the things that I saw, I saw in the Huntsville item, I saw a picture of a, a protest that was happening at the courthouse. And at the very front were these two buff, jacked up, Jules and Mustafa were their names. They were, they were on the front. They were standing there. They were wearing a Metallica shirt. And they were just these, these buff, young, teenage guys standing there at the protest. And I saw that. And the Lord spoke to my heart. Reach out to them. So I sent him a message on Instagram. And I said, hey, uh, saw you all. On the, the item article, if you're not lifting weights, I'd love to buy you lunch. Just joking, jacking around with them. And they said, Man, we're there. Whenever you're ready, name the place. So I ordered a buffet. You got to have protein when you bring in some jacked up people into a meeting, right? So I ordered a buffet of barbecue from HEB Barbecue because it is on fire. And I had chicken and brisket and beef and all this stuff. And, and so we sat down. And we spent nearly two hours together in a meeting. And I want to tell you, we talked about everything from Black Lives Matter, the organization, to the N-word, to my experiences, to their experiences, to values and Christian values and faith, and they both follow Jesus. We talked about their faith, and we talked about their experiences that they've had and everything, and we spent two hours in this. And then at the very end, I'll never forget this, I looked right at both of them, which by the way, two very impressive young men. And if that offends you, you should check your heart. Because that tells me you haven't met them. Tells me you haven't spent time with them. That tells me you have a pre judgment or a prejudice with them because you've seen that article and you've thought you've associated them with this organization and everything else. And I'm not saying they're not part of that, but what I'm saying is the men, the men, the men don't politicize everything. The men that I shared the table with, that I broke bread with, that I prayed with, that I had a conversation with, I really liked them. I they are great. And I told them at the end of the meeting, I said, listen, we may not agree on everything. And I know we don't disagree on everything. We've had a great conversation. But here's what you need to hear from me. There's peace here. There's peace here. Why did I want to have lunch with you? I want to argue with you. I don't want to debate with you. I want to love you. And I want you to let you know there is peace right here. And I'll never forget this. One of them, I forget which one it was, looked at me. And he said, so does that mean we can come to your church? I thought, just I thought to myself, the fact that you have to ask me that. The fact that you even have to ask me that tells me how far we have to come. I said, there's peace here. I'm going to message him today. And I'm going like, to have you come to visit yet. I was talking about you today. But I, there's peace here. Because we're peacemakers. Because we're a place that sows peace. What do we do? Let's put this all together. We have humility, humble enough to long for the justice of God, and we take the justice of God, and through the avenue of peace, not fighting, not arguing, not war, but the avenue of Peace, we're able to lay down and have the table together and have a conversation together and share a meal together and pray together and leave there full well-knowing. We may not see eye to eye on everything, we may not. We may see eye to eye on everything, but no matter what, in all things, we have peace. We have peace at this table. We have peace before you. i got enough time, I'll share with you another one. It's Pride Month. I might as well tick you off even more. There's a, there's a guy in our church who identifies with the LGBTQRSXYZWMJPP, I mean... I call him the alphabet mafia because they're stealing every letter of the alphabet. They just, they're taking them all and everyone's identity. But he and I, um, we've become friends. Not just friends. We've, he's, I get to be his pastor, and I've been his pastor for a little while. Um, but we're also friends, and we text and have conversations together. And uh, I will never forget this same situation. Get me silly a little bit. You're touching my feels here. He texts me on Thanksgiving. He said, Pastor, Uh, It's Thanksgiving, and I just want you to know I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful for the church. said, it's the first time in my life I can walk through the doors of a church and not feel like a leper. You know why? There's peace here. Because there's peace here. And do you know how many times we've had conversations about sexuality? We've had conversations about theology. We've had conversations about faith. We have had so many conversations. Do you know why that happens? Because there's humility enough for us to come together and talk about the justice of God in a place where there is peace. You have to have them. Oh, you have to have them. You have to have humility to long for the justice of God, and the avenue is peace. You're not going to get there fighting. You're not going to get there arguing. You're not going to get there competing. It's uncomfortable. I see you. And I know where how, how uncomfortable do you think it is for me to enter into those conversations. It takes humility. It takes a longing. For justice at a table of peace. What does the kingdom life look like? What do your coworkers need? What does your marriage need? What do people that are hurting and suffering need? What does the person that's longing out for truth need? They need humility. They need the justice, the things of God. And they need it in a place where there's peace where they can come and they can receive and they can hear and they can grow and not feel judged, not feel outcast, not feel pushed to the side. That only happens when we live the Beatitudes that Jesus gave us.